I'm Sophia Yerkshevich, and on this episode of the Nessens My Story podcast, Jake DeBrusque tells us about growing up in Canada with his favorite hockey player, his dad. I always say he's my hero, and he always was. DeBrusque throwing, crushing right hand. I was always told I was going to grow, like, every single time. They're like, oh, don't worry, you're going to grow one of these days. Like, well, when's it going to happen? In the game of hockey, it's a physical game. It's a big man's game. It really is. So he really had to learn to do it a different way. I nicknamed her Jima. She's a diehard Bruins fan now. She watches every single one. Through every big milestone in Jake DeBrusque's life, Jake DeBrusque is on the board! His first National Hockey League goal! It was living each moment through his dad's eyes that meant the most. That was the first time I've ever seen him cry. So I was like, whoa, I was like, wow, that hit him pretty hard. The tough guy sheds a tear. It was kind of one of those moments that'll be embedded in my brain for the rest of my life. I was so proud of him. Definitely something I'll never forget. Born in Western Canada as the son of Edmonton Oilers enforcer Louis DeBrusque, Jake's idol growing up was an obvious one. Talk about what it was like growing up in that hockey family. I always say he's my hero and he always was. And um, you know, have those experiences of being in and around the rink and uh, just loving the game. We always have admiration for our parents and we see them in, in a different light. And, you know, I, I hear secondhand from my wife that, you know, Jake would say things about me and, you know, want to be like me in certain situations. He was obviously a special person to me and, um, you know, threw me pretty much in the fire right away. I was, uh, I think, three days old when I went to my first ever NHL game um, and pretty much just was wanted to be a hockey player. I wanted to be exactly like him. Line to DeBrusque, right in, shoots, goal! Louis DeBrusque! It used to be a right-hand shot when I was younger and uh, playing downstairs in the basement with him and I saw how he was shooting the puck and he's a lefty and like, I remember like very clearly being downstairs in the basement shooting and he was shooting too and then I saw him how he was shooting and I was like I want to try that so then I, I literally grabbed his stick which is probably way too big for me and I just kept shooting with it. I can't take any credit for that, that was just something he decided to do. Didn't want to get, get out of my hands, so I think that's kind of how that worked, and thankfully, thankfully it did. His dad would leave Edmonton and eventually land in Phoenix. The rink would become Jake's traveling playground. You know, he was always around in the dressing room. He'd come to the games with me, and he'd come to the, the skates with me at times and would hang around. And I think just being around that environment from an early age, he just got so comfortable watching that. And, and seeing what guys did on each and every day, and it was part of his blood. Being around the room with some NHLers, like what was that like? I remember the first couple times I can remember anyways, just going for pregame skates or things like that, and uh, being in the room after and just trying not to say a word and just trying to chill out. And the good thing was I always had some other kids buzzing around as well and some boys, and we played mini sticks and things like that, and um, you know, it would get heated sometimes. At the practice facility in Scottsdale at the Ice Den, it was not uncommon to have like six, eight kids battling away in the hallway. It was a full-on battle royal, you know, sticks in the air, fights, crying. I actually got high stick in the face and, and was bleeding. I made it in the paper, so that was the first time I ever made it in the paper, but uh, I believe it was Matthew Kachuk who actually did it um, when my dad and his dad were playing in Phoenix together. I remember Matthew, Matthew got the stick up a little high on Jake and they would always bring their little mini sticks, they would always go out in the hallway and after 15-20 minutes somebody would be crying, we'd dust them off, put them back right in the fight and away they'd go. It takes a village to raise a hockey player. Around the rink it was dad, at home 
it was Gma. She used to be the only one that would play with me downstairs when she was babysitting. So when she was in babysitting, dude, she'd go downstairs and and go in the nets and uh, take a couple like shins, like slashes and stuff like that. And she had she had some injuries too from it actually. So she was uh, she was grinding out pretty hard. She's been around his life. She's been around his life ever since they were they were young. My daughter Jordan and him. She's just always been there. She's one of his biggest supporters and one of his biggest fans. And you know, in her eyes, he's the best player in the world. He can't do any wrong, and it's the way it's always been. Family lessons in his back pocket. At age 16, Jake took his 5-foot, 120-pound stature to the Western Hockey League's Swift Current in Saskatchewan. When I got drafted in the dub, I was listed at 5'5", 120, but I was actually 5-foot, 115. I don't know if it still stands, but I was the smallest like player ever to be in Swift Currents. He kind of would look at me and say, hey, when am I going to get some of that size? I was always told I was going to grow, like every single time. They're like, oh, don't worry, you're going to grow one of these days. Like, well, when's it going to happen? When Jake first started, he was always quite a bit smaller than the team that he was playing against, the players that he was playing with. So he really had to learn to do it a different way. He had to learn to protect himself. He had to learn to have his head up and on a swivel to make sure he didn't take bad hits. Uh, he had to learn to win battles with smarts and skill. It was uh, definitely a grind, but maybe he had to um, play the game a different way. I think it made him a better hockey player. I really do. I think it made him have to really dig down deep and work harder than some of the big guys that he was going up against when he was younger and, uh, and learn to play the game the right way. If I had to have any success, I would have had to obviously work harder or work smarter, one of the two. And um, against bigger guys, I mean, there were some guys that were over six foot tall. And, um, you know, you have to go try to make your name for yourself, hopefully get drafted. And I was very lucky that Swift Current took a, took a flyer on me. And uh, I think it worked out for both teams or both sides. Do you remember in your personal progression in hockey, a switch, a flip, something you changed, something happened, someone stepped in and showed you something, a coach, your dad? I think it was my second year of junior, so my draft year. Um, I got off to a terrible start in preseason. I was awful, and I think I was like dash 10 in three games. Like, it was terrible. I didn't think I was going to make the team, but I was still getting chances anyways, and I had a conversation with my coach, Mark Lamb, and uh, he told me not to take preseason too seriously and that just to keep working hard and taking it step by step. He's like, the mountains, you know, it's top, it's at the top. That's where you want to be. That's where your goals are is to make it to the next level. And he was like, even if you don't get drafted this year, just really try to work on little bits of your game and details. And, you know, we'll talk to you, we'll help you out as well. And uh, sure enough, I got off to a hot start and I uh, didn't really look back after that. And just kind of having your head coach talk to you after, you know, you're having a suspect preseason like that and kind of calming you down in a sense. and letting uh, me know that, hey, he trusts me and just do my thing and see where it goes from there. And uh, end up me being here, end up me, uh, you know, getting drafted by Boston. After an 81-point breakout year with the Swift Current, Jake's draft stock was on the rise, heading into the 2015 NHL Draft. The day itself was amazing. It was uh, obviously nerve-wracking the night before. I, you know, you go through the combine and all these different um, you know, talked with teams and you don't know where you're going to go, you don't know what's going to happen. The draft was a lot different for me. I, I almost didn't go to my own draft. I went in there, got drafted and it wasn't hyped up, it was all in one day. But the first round is a big event, it's a main event. You know, you watch it as a fan pretty much every year and it was Conor McDavid's draft too, so it was a big, big year. I was probably way more nervous than Jake. You know, I know I was for a fact. I just had a good feeling. I thought Boston uh, was definitely up top. Like, uh, that was my guess before I got picked. I mean, I didn't, they were picking at 14 at the time. 
and my draft ranking was all over the map and I was talking to all these teams so I was kind of one of a, I was a weird case I guess in a sense and I was eyeing down the camera guy because every time someone gets picked there's a camera guy that looks at who gets picked, right? So I, as soon as McDavid got picked I looked and I was like this guy, you know, I was following him around and next thing you know the camera's right on me when Boston's picking at 13 I'm like, I'm like, I knew, I thought that Boston was actually the team that was going to take me, and I was like, there's no way. Like, I was like, is this actually happening? They took Zabroil, who was sitting behind me, so I was like, oh, and I started laughing. I was like, ah, I thought, I thought that was the one. Like, I thought that was it, right? And then uh, the guy didn't move, and so I was like, this guy hasn't moved. And then I literally said to my dad, I was like, hey, when I get picked here, I'm going to go this way. Say, like, you know, they can do my thing with the family over there, and I'm going to come back to you. And he kind of looked at me weird. And I kind of was like, well, kid, I'm glad you're confident because I'm kind of not really knowing where you're going to go here, but I'm, I'm happy that you feel pretty good about this experience. Boston is proud to select with a 14th pick. I got to boo again. <laughs> with, from Swift Current Broncos, Jake DeBrusque. I think somebody knew something. The camera operator for that quick shot of the, the DeBrusque family. The next thing you know, my name got called and um, just elation. I mean, just all the hard work that you've done, and it's your, it's your dream to hear your name get called. Um, try not to fall down the stairs because I'm the kind of guy that would do that. So I was really focusing on my steps. It's unbelievable. You know, you can say whatever you want. Everyone wants to go first round. I honestly want to for, go first round. Uh, not that it means anything, but just, you know what, might as well go as high as you can, right? So, and just to be selected by a team like Boston was, uh, it was awesome. I'll never forget it, and I'm super excited to get started, and it was just a great experience all around. Everything about that day was awesome. I actually had a tough start though. I, I was shaving and I was so nervous. I have a little mole here and I completely cut it, like nicked it and it was bleeding the entire day and it was hot in Florida. So if you ever look at my draft photos, there's always a awesome powers like moly on my face because I absolutely nicked it. So it wasn't all roses. My grandma was literally patching it up the entire time because I was like trying to hold it in and we're on this bus with like a couple other prospects and they're just giving it to me, right? Like guys just giving it to me. I'm just like, now I'm sweating. I'm losing my mind. Like just classic me things, right? Like just can't go smooth. But then it got to a point where I was like, oh, I think it stopped bleeding. And then I looked at the pictures after and I was like, it didn't stop bleeding. Right after you get picked, you go underneath this tunnel and you're just going through a soup. Like you're doing all these different things. You're signing different things, taking pictures, getting interviewed and honestly couldn't believe what was happening. It's a lot to take in at one time, especially at that age. You, you don't really know how to react and you kind of want to be cool because there's cameras and stuff on, but I was just too happy to even care. I was, I was pretty smiley, even with the mole going on. And I was just like, uh, just really enjoying everything about it. But yeah, so that's how my draft day went. In 2016, Jake made his move to the Providence Bruins, joining Matt Grizzlick and Sean Corrali for one season before making his debut on Garden Ice. For me, the real kind of emotional moment, jumping on the ice for warm-up. You know, when those doors open and you explode out of the gates and you come out there onto the ice for your first National Hockey League game for that warm-up and you're getting ready to go, you know, just seeing them come out and bomb around, you could tell you got a little extra pep in your stride. You know you're playing your first game. You've worked really hard to get there. It's what every kid dreams of to play hockey to play in the National Hockey League. And to have that moment right there and about to happen, uh, it's just, it's a special moment. You know, I got to experience it myself. And, you know, for me, seeing my son go through that is just, uh, again, just a memory I'll never forget. With his entire family in attendance, all eyes were on Jake. Jake DeBrusque is on the board! His first National Hockey League goal! 
When you scored your first NHL goal, I'm sure you've seen the video We've and probably have talked about it a million times. It's a beautiful video, a beautiful moment. Your whole family's there. How special was it for you to see that afterwards? I don't know, could you see him from the ice? I couldn't see him from the ice. I think I did a, I think I had an interview actually right after that period. And so then I got to see it. The tough guy sheds a tear. And that was the first time I've ever seen him cry. So I was like, whoa, I was like, wow, that hit him pretty hard. Uh, obviously the video went viral and he was getting chirped pretty hard for it. So it was actually kind of funny too. Chirped? Well, chirped like in a way. Yeah, hope, playfully, right? I okay, hope. Yeah, playfully, I hope. Yeah, playfully, yeah. He was, uh, he was leaking. He said there was lots of dust or something in the garden, but. Oh man, fantastic. I still go back and watch it on YouTube from time to time. I'll still go back and throw that in there and just relive it because it was just such an amazing atmosphere to be in. His first ever National Hockey League game to score a goal. You're dreaming about playing in the NHL and you know, you're on eggshells and you get told you're playing in a lineup and you're so excited and to be able to score with everyone there. It was great for Jake to finally get that first game and you know score a goal in that game but to have us there to celebrate with him afterwards. It was kind of one of those moments that'll be embedded in my brain for the rest of my life. It definitely was a special time and just a special moment. And even seeing him after the game and uh, things like that was obviously a special day for our family and, and for myself as well. While Jake and Dad stole the headlines, Grandma got the hardware. Great game, kiddo. Thanks, Mama. Way to go. We just leave it. I got this for you. We'll take that. Oh, <laughs> My mom was actually pretty choked. I gave my grandma my first goal puck and she was a little bit upset, but um, Jima, she deserves it. She deserves the puck, so I gave it to her, that's why. And obviously a close relationship with her and um, you know, she doesn't have an iPhone or anything like that and she doesn't really text anybody, but she texts me, so it's kind of funny. And It's great that he has a relationship with her. You know, he, uh, when he comes back, he wants to see her, he wants to spend time with her and she watches every game with her friends and, uh, and looks forward to every time he's on the ice. What does she text you? Like, is it grandma text? Is it like Yeah, okay. it's grandma text. Okay. Yeah, XOXOs, all that. And it's usually pretty short, but um, pretty random usually as well. But it's always nice messages that I get and try to respond as fast as possible. I'm not really good on my phone, but I always reply to Jima. And she tries to watch your games? Does she get access to them? Yeah, she watches every single one. She's a diehard, diehard Bruins fan now. And uh, she actually came for the finals. She came for the finals and she was there for my first goal. Uh, parties pretty much for every single game day. Yeah, she's like in a little like, not like a retirement home, but like in a condo complex with, you know, older people. And um, they literally have like committee parties come over there. So I visited my grandma a couple times this summer and she'd have the committee come over and it was like six different people like, oh my God. So it was like a little little squad watching the game. So there's lots of Bruins fans everywhere. And I think my, my grandma made a couple more. I love that. She deserves that first puck. She does. Yes, yeah. she does. I'm sure she shows it to everyone. Yeah, she's got it all in this thing. She's even got like a couple pictures with it too. It's like all like, uh, I can't really explain it. But a shrine? Pretty much a shrine. Yeah, like right in the middle of the room. <laughs> yeah. How do you like the city of Boston? It's pretty unreal. I mean, there's so much things to do here. I, like, there's You can go to the Red Sox game, a Celtics game, or a Patriots game if you're a sports fan. And if not, the city by itself is beautiful. You know, just like the vibes of it. It's a big city, and uh, I love it here. At the beginning, you lived with Corrali and... And Grizz. And Grizz yeah. in a hotel. Let's talk about that living experience. What was it like with those two? Yeah, it was fun. It was a good time. It was uh, obviously Grizzy's the mayor, so he knew what to do in Boston. And, um, and you know, Sean's pretty chill, so Sean's Sean. But no, it was fun. It was good. Our location was actually nice. It, it was at the Viridian, so we could see inside Fenway. 
So we were up top, so we could actually watch the Fenway games from our place if we wanted to. So it was unreal setup. Um, and that was before they could, they told us to get a place. And when you're trying to make a league and they tell you, hey, you know, this is, uh, you know, we're just letting you know you can get a place now. That was one of the coolest things besides getting told you're making the team. And uh, we were pretty excited to get out of there for sure. Once you found out you got to get your own place, it meant I'm here for, for real for now, right? Yeah, so that was a pretty big moment. Uh, that was um, obviously something you instantly text back home, let the, let the family know. But then at the same time, there's, tra there's trade deadline, I think, in like three weeks. So you get that little, you get that little time where you're all excited, and then you're back into that, um, you know, that crazy time, I guess, if that makes any sense. Now with Boston as his permanent home, Jake learned the importance of bouncing back on the biggest stage. It's as if someone died in a way, because I mean, it's our passion. This is our game that we've from day one wanted to play and your dream's pretty much staring at you and it doesn't go your way. It's it's not easy and especially for you know, a young guy like myself, it's a lot to take on, but I think the, the biggest thing that helped me kind of get over that, I guess, is, is the guys, is you know reaching out in the summertime. And it's hard because people don't understand how it feels mentally. Um, you know, they could be like, oh, I was watching the game here or something, or can't believe you know you guys lost. And it's like, yeah, I was playing in the game. Like, I can't, can't believe either. But, um, you know, it's a lot to take on mentally, but it gives you a lot of motivation. It gives you, you can go either way with it, to be honest with you, but it's hard when you see the cup being presented on the ice to not want to go and change that result or do anything in your power to change that next time. And um, obviously it sucked, that would've been amazing, but I think that having something like that happen is um, kind of thickens your skin a bit and kind of makes you uh, have a, you know, an edge on your shoulder. Jake DeBrusque, low for Coyle. DeBrusque, scores! Give and go for the Bruins. With how close our team is, I mean, it takes time to get that, but I think that that's why we're so good, is that we're all dialed in and wanting to play for the Bruins and want to play for each other. And, I think that's what the good teams do. The good teams are the teams that are close and not in clicks or things like that. Everyone's together in the same boat and, and pulling for each other. And after a bad breakup, it was time for a new hairstyle. Your inspiration to grow your hair is your dad, right? Yes. Okay, so yeah. the hockey card, I think, with his crazy mullet. Yeah, and the jean jacket. So, oh, and the jean jacket. Yeah. So once you get it to the desirable level, mm -hmm. What's gonna happen? You're gonna recreate the photo shoot? What are you gonna do? I don't know, to be honest. I think that'd be kind of cool. Just full circle, and uh, he used to always give me a hard time about my hair when I when I grew up. I always had short, spiky hair, like kind of he does, and was never really had my power to let it grow out. And uh, I remember just watching some of his fights and stuff, and I was like, you know what? I haven't got my hair cut in probably two months, so I'm like, I'm just gonna let it grow. And I actually just recently got it cut, so it's not as it hit the breaking point, but now I understand kind of where to go with it. But I don't know if the jean jacket looks a good look, to be honest. Idolizing his dad as a kid, nothing much has changed for Jake. It sounds like still now to this day, you look up to him, you guys have a tight relationship. Can you just talk about your relationship with your dad now? Yeah, it's definitely special. I think that's, um, you know, the first first thing is that obviously he's a dad first and then, you know, hockey player slash analyst, I guess you could say second. We're really close. You know, obviously I was a different player than Jake is and I think that he understands that, but I think he's always had an appreciation for, you know, what I had to do in my career. We've talked a lot about it. It was, you know, being an enforcer, a tough guy was a tough role. He respects that, you know, and that was one thing, you know, when I talked to Jake about, you know, his game, it's never about you should have shot here, you should have tried to deke the goalie. It was always about work ethic. It was always about trying to go out there and make sure you were working hard enough to allow the skill set that you have to be successful. 
I still talk to him daily and talk to him pretty much after every single game. When we talk, we'll talk as father-son and then we'll talk as ex-hockey player and current hockey player and those conversations are sometimes a little different but I kind of know when to leave him alone as well. You know, there's certain times where he has to kind of figure things out on his own. He has to experience things and that's just all part of becoming a good pro and, uh, you know, I think he's doing a great job. It seems like when I talk to him before games, I have a good one usually. So he knows me best and, um, you know, just really, really good father. I think he was, um, you know, obviously known as a tough guy and usually the tough guys are the nicest guys. So uh, I was definitely lucky on that end. My story is part of the Nesson Podcast Network. The home for New England sports.